Hey everyone and welcome to episode 18 of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. As always, this is Tom before we get started. The first Wednesday of 2020 just happens to be New Year's Day and what better way to start off the year and this new competitive season that we have than sharing some goals and what we're looking forward to achieving. So to start off the new year, I would like to hear from all of you. So you can go to anchor.fm slash chasing GC and leave me a voice message about what you're looking forward to in season 13, what your goals are, what you hope to achieve, or where you hope to get to in season 13, and not just season 13, but the entire year of 2020. I'm going to take all of the voice messages that are left for me on there, put them all together, and that's going to be the episode for the first day of 2020. I think it'll be a really cool way to highlight this community that we're building here and I think it'll be a really good way for me to be able to give back to you guys because at the end of 2020 we'll be able to look back and see how everybody did, maybe get some feedback on what went well, what didn't go well, and how people made out towards getting their goals. To sweeten the pot a little bit, I'm going to throw everybody that gives me a voice message into a giveaway for 2,000 credits. I will announce the winner in the podcast episode, and the last person that I play on that episode will be the winner of the 2,000 credits. So let's all have a little fun together. Go to anchor.fm slash chasinggc, or you can download the Anchor app and search up Chasing GC and drop me a message there as well. And I'm going to make a great episode of all of you guys featuring you guys. And of course, I'll probably share my goals as well. And you know, you might even have a chance to win 2000 credits, which could buy you a pair of Infiniums and a half. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, Uh, it'll go a lot farther. Anyways, thank you so much for everything. I'm really excited about this episode. I hope you are as well. And without further ado, let's get into episode 18. Roll the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. This is a late night recording for me, and it is an early morning recording for my guest tonight. He was kind enough to stay up till, wait, no, it's now it's like the early morning for you. It's what, seven, eight in the morning? No, uh, six. 20 past six. 20 past six in the morning. Uh, officially the farthest away guest that I have had on the podcast. He is, uh, he has experience coaching in the RLCS with Ghost up to this season and plenty of other Rocket League things that we are going to get to, uh, but I will let him do more of that talking. Uh, Silent Echo, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast tonight slash this morning. (laughs) Thanks. It's, uh, It's nice to be on a, you know, some kind of a podcast type thing. You know, we can really dive into some detail on some stuff and I'm interested to see what questions you have for me. I am honestly also extremely interested to see what kind of questions I have for you. Uh, I have made a habit of just kind of hopping into these and seeing where we go. And uh, before we start the podcast, sometimes I like to ask guests if they have anything interesting on their mind, usually when they're at my level, because then, you know, we might be thinking about the same things. I asked you and you said literally everything. Um, so who knows? I have no idea where we're going to go. 
but before we hop into those questions, before we hop into conversation, why don't you tell me, uh, because we're still getting familiar with each other a little bit, and everybody out there in podcast world, a little bit about your Rocket League experience when you started playing, where you're at skill-wise, and all of that good stuff. Oh man! So I was a late adopter for Rocket League. You know, I think uh, I think the game came out in what June. I think I picked it up in the first week of August. So pretty late compared to to some of the people that have kind of been hanging around the scene in the areas that I have uh, for for this long. But uh, ironically, I delayed picking up the game. I was super interested in it, liked the sound of it. I watched uh, somebody streaming it and went, ah, this just doesn't seem like a fun game. Like this guy doesn't seem like he's enjoying this. I'm not engaged. I'm used to like Hearthstone streamers and like World of Tanks streamers at that point, you know, super engaging, very amusing. Uh, That guy is now called Coronovi. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know... (laughs) kind of ironic really but yeah i was i was watching some gameplay and i was like oh man i just i'm not into this and then you know it's sitting at that price point which for me is like perfect i have i'm I'm tilted at whatever game i'm currently into i'm tilted at my backup game for when i'm tilted at the first game let's just have a look through the steam store oh look what what's this thing that i've looked at sure let's throw money at the screen and and see if we get a fun experience out and and four years later my life has been dominated by it yeah i mean it it has been your life for quite some time yeah i mean almost every penny that i've earned in the last three years is related to rock league living the dream living the dream i mean (laughs) it's it's not as glamorous a dream as people sometimes think you know everyone's like oh the travel and i'm like yeah i've seen the inside of a lot of convention centers and hotel rooms yeah no windows (laughs) really cold rooms that it sounds like the dream i mean i would love to be doing rocket league on a full-time basis and at the same time i'm sure it's a grind like being in anything at a competitive level at that high of a competitive level where it is your well-being like it is a grind still for sure yeah absolutely where you I mean, are where you need to perform on a consistent basis so here's the thing right I, I i started playing rocket league as just like that game that it's like just super bite size it was the same thing i was really into hearthstone at the time like doing a lot of like you know trying to do a little bit of streaming hearthstone trying to do a little bit of videos for hearthstone like that kind of stuff I was super into water tanks at the time you know so i was doing these like very um like very strategic games already um i've always been a very strategic minded person you know one of my earliest memories is playing like civilization um and I really like that that almost you know like any kind of turn based strategy game. I'm super into it. Really interested in playing it, unless it's an RPG. I cannot stand strategic RPGs. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing. Don't know what it is. I just I think it's because I just don't like loot grind. You know, yeah. like I mm-hmm. I just I don't care enough. Like, sure, this one's got three extra numbers. I'm already like. I already have a serious problem like trying to control my min-max impulses. Don't make it worse for me. (laughs) I can't do Borderlands for the same reason. So Rocket League just kind of slotted in in this super casual, like felt very low investment. Obviously at that point, you know, it's season one, like everybody's bronze and silver. Um, All I do is play duels and doubles. That's all I do. I I don't like threes at that point in time because... 
again, strategically minded at that point in the game's life and at that rank, like it was just, there was no strategy or anything. Right. So, yeah. So I stuck to ones because then it's just on me. Right. If, if I mess up, that's me. And if, if I don't, then then great. I'm doing well. I'm winning games. And in twos, I only have to deal with one other person on my team Mm -hmm. you know like it's just i was just controlling the number of variables and then about 60 hours into the game i discovered that ball cam existed and (laughs) oh boy did that revolutionize things (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) yeah i'm not a tutorial guy you know like you give me the chance to skip the tutorial i'm gonna skip the tutorial you hide the tutorial behind three other menus i'm never gonna find it yeah that's so funny I actually, um, speaking of that, you know, I watched that same streamer that I think he's, I think he's still part of the community in some way. I'm not completely sure. And I noticed that he was in ball cam most of the time. And in those early hours, you know, I would not be in ball cam because it was just easier to hit the ball. And then I realized, look, if he is in ball cam, and staying in ball cam, then that must be the way that you play the game. And then I was like, okay, I have to figure this out if that's what he's doing. Um, so I, I, it took a little while and me getting over my stubbornness, but staying in ball cam was a, a very responsible decision way back then, even if you don't actually want to do it. Yeah, I mean, staying in ball cam, I mean, we can talk about observation for a little bit. Um, maybe later on, uh, I can talk about observation all day long. Um, it's the most important factor in the game that everybody ignores. <laughs> but for me, like at that 60 hour point, right, I discover the ball cam exists and I discover it like just because I hit the button by accident, you know? <laughs> Oh, that's so funny! Like, I, like my hand just slipped a little bit. Like, I'd already, um, I'd already gotten to the point where I was like starting to rebind things because it really annoyed me that boost was on, um, what is it on default, like B or whatever on the Xbox I think, controller. Yeah, circle. Yeah, so like that just seems super counterintuitive to me. So I moved that over to um, the X. Uh, so that I could hit it at the same time as hold and jump, right? So even at that point, okay. like I'm starting to think, oh, how can I optimize a little bit? But I'm not thinking like that because I'm so engaged in watching StarCraft. Can't play StarCraft, but I'm watching it for sure. I'm watching a lot of Hearthstone. I'm like playing a lot of Hearthstone at, you know, never like a particularly high level, but like at a very engaged level. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying attention to all these other things and Rocket League just like occupies this little thing where it's just like a fallback game when I'm annoyed at other games like Rocket League's the game that I'll load up and I'll end up playing it to the end of the night. And then what I discovered was that over the course of about six months, how often I got tilted at other games increased and the amount of time I was playing Rocket League increased until I suddenly realized that I was just loading up Rocket League. (laughs) Oops. The other games weren't getting opened. Yeah, And it was at about this point I had like a, a major health thing um, and went on, uh, was, went on sick leave from, from work uh, <laughs> until they fired me. Um, and, you know, I'm still dealing with those health problems now. And that's like a, another thing that would actually be interesting to talk about in terms of like, uh, like, you know, looking after your hands and stuff. Um, mm. 
but at that point um so suddenly like i'm a workaholic and for the first time in my life i'm not going to work i have this huge sense of guilt about not going to work because my entire life you know western society conditions you have to work it's even worse than eastern society but in western society you know everybody's got to be a good factory worker they got to go like nine to five get the head down do the grind you know you're an adult you're supposed to be tired and stressed that's what life is like so i'm yes. sitting at home dealing with all of that and rocket league just becomes this perfect escape and I just spend all day, every day playing Rocket League. And then after a little while, I'm like, well, I should start playing Rocket League the way that I've been playing these other games, you know, because in Hearthstone, I've got like a network of people that I would play with. In World of Tanks, you know, like that was like a 15v15 clan battle situation with like battles lasting anywhere between like 15 minutes. You'd spend all night doing them just one after the other, trying to like gain land on this like uh, meta layer campaign strategic map that was on the website. And... I think, oh, well, like, I should find some people to play Rocket League with. So, you know, I do the Google thing. I join a little gaming community, speak to a few people, end up, like, looking after Rocket League for those guys and just kind of trying to, like, recruit some people into the community. One of the guys I recruited into that community, I literally played with him today. Oh, nice. Yeah, right? So, like, <laughs> it's amazing some of the uh, the lasting, like, connections that you can make. And, you sure. know, we've met in real life. We've hung out in Amsterdam. He's uh, he lives just outside of Amsterdam, and I was there, and I was like, "Oh, we should catch up." So, you know, it's super nice that I've been able to meet so many of my my online friends from Rocket League. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where things start getting like serious for me because I'm I, I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna make some videos and stuff." And I made a um, I made a little video based on the trailer for Neo Tokyo. And I was comparing it to the underpass map that was already in the game, right? The uh, the like the changes that were being made because they had the underpass map in the in the Rocket Labs playlist at the time. And then Neo Tokyo sure. is coming out; it's going to get added to rank. And I'm looking at this trailer, and I'm like, that doesn't look like underpass because I've spent a bunch of time playing on underpass. Because mostly at this point, I just play private matches with people in this clan that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And that's all we do, right? You join a channel and solo queue until somebody joins you. Then you play twos until somebody joins you. Then you play threes. And then somebody else joins and you're playing private twos. And then somebody else joins and they're waiting for somebody else to join so you can do private threes. And then eventually you end up doing like zero grav hoops chaos. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was all I did for in Rocket League for like <laughs> nearly six months probably is mostly private matches. <laughs> it was terrible for my development because I suddenly realized that I was like easily one of the better people in the group and i just wasn't challenged at all in these games <laughs> yeah it felt good because like hey i'm pretty good in this group of people that i hang out with but it also it felt bad because i was hitting people a wall. every now and then yeah exactly right but then it's just like that's just every day and that's what's happening and i'm like oh this isn't like fun for anybody really at this point and i'm starting to like feel like a gap starting to emerge uh-huh so so I'm starting to watch like the esports side of things. I'm starting to actually watch some YouTube content and actually like learn some things and actually start like applying all this coaching experience that I have in the rest of my life to to myself and start to learn about the game and think about the game in a more analytical fashion and actually like consider what strategy is. Start watching all the RLCS. Start, um, uh, and then I I'm just it's the craziest thing, right? Because I I didn't do any of that stuff before. But I went to visit my parents for a week. 
And that was the first time I'd been away from my computer for like a full week in probably three years or something, right? Mm-hmm. And I went stir crazy. Like, I felt like I was in full withdrawal, man. Like, I just needed to play some Rocket League. I just needed anything, anything <laughs> together. Like, I just, I, I feel like, you know, like, it's a super depressing time in my life, right? I'm not working. I'm super ill. Like, everything's like a challenge. Like, brushing my teeth is sometimes a challenge when I'm in that state. And Rocket League was this thing where I just sit still for seven hours and have a blast. Yeah. And I go to... <laughs> And I go to stay with my parents for a week and, you know, uh, I get on well with my family for like five or six days. And then everybody like starts to get tired because we're all, we all have like similar versions of the same thing and we're all kind of ill all the time. And, you know, it just becomes a bit of a drag, like spending time with other people after a while. Yeah. Um, so I'm there for a week. I'm going absolutely crazy. And all I do is I sit on Reddit and I sit on streams and I sit on YouTube and I watch the RLCS and I watch analysis videos, what few there were at that point. I le- mm-hmm. finally learned what the word rotation means. And I'm on <laughs> and I'm on Reddit, right? And this guy and this guy's made a post and he's like, Oh yeah, we're we're interested in getting, you know, ca- more casters and stuff for our tournaments that we're doing. And I'm like, oh cool, this sounds amazing. So I messaged that guy. Then we have like a Skype conversation at like three o'clock in the morning and I'm in my parents' living room, like trying to be super quiet because they got a really old echoey house and like none of the doors fit properly or anything. You know, sound just carries all the way through the building. Like it's all stone walls, so it just bounces off and continues on its merry way. Nothing gets absorbed. Do your parents live in a castle? Uh, no, it's a, um, it's a, about a 150 year old farmhouse. Oh, wow. All right. So... It's uh, put it this way: they're very excited because they just got double glazed windows. Coming into the twenty first century. <laughs> hey, man! Like I'd already moved out when they got radiators. So, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, we had. Uh, we, uh, I don't know whether you guys uh, have something called a storage heater, but uh, they suck. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. <laughs> so it's literally a metal box filled with like ceramic. Oh my gosh. And no, no, uh, thank you. they had a special kind of electricity meter where at night the electricity is like tenth as, uh, like one tenth as expensive because, you know, people are in bed and not using as much. And so overnight, those storage heaters just come on and just suck power in and on this cheap connection. And they just try to get as much heat into the ceramic as they can. And they're really bad at it. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah, it was the worst. Um, Are- so skype call so yeah we have the skype call and i end up adminning like two tournaments and then i cast for the first time and i cast rocket league and you know i've made it like a a casting like you know they wanted like a little video like thing and uh the guy was gabe uh the founder of shift pro league and uh he wanted like a little recording thing so i sat there in my living room when i got home from my parents um flying from scotland to the south of england i get home and like the first thing i do is play two hours of rocket league then i go to bed then i get up the next day and the first thing i do is play two more hours of rocket league and then i record the cast that they wanted as a as like a uh, trial thing and 
man, I've never felt so self-conscious in all my life. Like I've done theater stuff, like lead roles in like community projects, sold out audiences, like, you know, competing against stuff like King Lear for audience and, and beating them. And I've never felt so nervous as I did sitting in my living room, talking to myself, <laughs> but I did it and sent it across. They liked it. And I ended up casting Shift Pro League for a long time. And it was only when my living situation changed that I stopped casting because uh, I wasn't able to cast at night anymore. And casting at EU times was never really my deal. And also there weren't that many community tournaments at that point because that was right when the Elite Series started. And Gfinities just kind of disappeared into nothing. So I used to do the 3v3 Fridays most of the time for Gfinity. And... That just faded away with the Elite Series coming and, and taking up the, the prominence of that. And that was so much of a surprise. Like I I honestly heard about the Elite Series from a press release that I wrote an article about for the Esports Observer. And that was before the admins of the Friday Night Gfinities, like the, the thing that had like 3,000 viewers every week. Yeah. Um, the admins didn't know that the Elite Series was a thing. Oh man. Yeah, and I was salty, man. Like I've been casting and grinding these 3v3s, doing the finals and stuff on Fridays for for months. And does anybody ever pick up the phone for for casting elite series? No, they don't. But that's life, right? Because sometimes you get noticed, sometimes you don't, sometimes you have the connections, and sometimes you don't. And I I took it kind of hard at the time and I kind of like with the the living situation change, I thought, eh, you know, like that was kind of the stepping stone that I thought I would need to like ever hit RLCS. And I already knew RLCS was a big ass because not being a US citizen makes it very complicated. So I kind of gave up on casting, which was sad. But that was when I started like looking into coaching and by this point I'm doing like esports journalism stuff like I said for writing articles for esports observer and and then PC games N and doing some like more like in-depth rocket league stuff and I get the the dream hack observation gig um doing and I did summer uh in Sweden then they like that so while I was still in Sweden they booked me for Atlanta went out to Atlanta. That was a tough, you know, it was like an extra day than it was in Sweden. And, you know, there was much, much higher intensity games because there were just so many more teams there. And that was like the first real Rocket League LAN outside of RLCS, I think, was was DreamHack Atlanta, you know, the Muffin Men one. And yeah. got picked up by Cloud9. And, and I was like, every single game you saw on stream, it was me pushing the buttons in the background. And that was a lot of games. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, they liked that. So then I did Leipzig. Um, then there weren't any dream hacks for a while. So that kind of fell off. And then by the time there were more dream hacks, like even by Leipzig, the last Leipzig I observed, um, the the first dream hack Leipzig for, for Rocket League, um, I was already coaching Ghost at that point. Um, yeah. And, you were coaching Ghost during all of this too? Yeah. So um, I'd already booked with DreamHack to do the observation when Ghost signed me. I see. So I basically said to Ghost, look, you know, this is a thing that I've already got on, you know, I've already, you know, negotiated this. It's already a thing that's on my plate. Like, are you going to send the team to Leipzig? They weren't sure. I was like, I'm going to take the money then. And they were like, okay, that's fine. Because at that, at that point in time, I was on a very, like, very ad hoc contract basis. 
So mm -hmm. I was doing a lot more like written analysis and feeding it to the one guy who would then disseminate it to the team. There wasn't a lot of like direct contact and stuff. It was much more of a like a back office analysis position. I see. And then Leipzig onwards, um, I sort of really uh, ended up in that coach role and figuring out what coaching Rocket League means. I've coached a lot of things in my time. Um, Rocket League wasn't any harder or easier to coach than those other things. But it was the first time that I didn't have somebody to go and ask, you know, like yeah. you don't know something in most industries. Like there's always somebody who does, right? Mm -hmm. Rocket League, we're figuring it out. So then when you started coaching Ghost, mm -hmm. what skill level were you at? Like what was your rank in Rocket League when you oh, when started? I, like maybe champ one. There's not a lot. Okay. So you were not even necessarily playing Rocket League in extremely high level when you were coaching it. So what was that like interacting with them uh, when, or maybe when you started uh, interacting with them directly and didn't necessarily have the skill yourself? How, how was it analyzing games or communicating to them like, this is what I see or do you feel like you were able to see things in the game uh, that could be advantageous to the guys, even though you couldn't necessarily execute or perform at that same kind of level? Yeah, so I have arthritis and RSI in my hands. So just the act of playing Rocket League is a painful experience for me. Um which I like to use as my excuse for why, you know, it's taken me so long to hit Grand Champ. I can consistently hit Grand Champ now, consistently being this season and last season. Um, but it's taken a really long time to get there. Um, and I didn't actually realize I had arthritis um, for most of the time that I've been playing Rocket League. Uh, it was only um, after I got a little bit more of a stable medicinal situation and realized that like my hands were hurting all the time. Um, so coming into a team, like there's a lot of credibility um, issues that you have to kind of counter. Like in a more mature industry or a more mature scene, people understand that coaches don't have to be able to execute to be good coaches. Mm -hmm. um, Rocket League still isn't at that stage. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, we're still at this point where, um, it, the generally speaking, the the coaches that get recognition are the ones that have previously played. And sure. while they those guys can absolutely bring something to the table, most of the people that have played at a high level in Rocket League, to some extent or another, are um, they've. Uh, got into where they are without fully understanding how they're doing it as far mm. as I can tell you know it's like sure. um I had the my best friend when I was in school um first thing I ever coached was free running and that was something that I did with him and he was insane like one of the best free runners I've ever seen in my entire life total savant had no idea how he was doing any of it like he could just pop again and no problem just walking along like I'm gonna do a backflip and land with my foot where it would have been if I was just still walking normally and that's not fair yeah right exactly the guy was made out of springs and we're coaching we're coaching free running and i'm and i'm watching him like interact with people and we're coaching kids and like we're going into like you know we're, we're 
end up getting endorsed by like local government going into schools and coaching we're coaching like four times a week um you know with like schools paying for a taxi to take us between towns because it's north scotland and there aren't buses and stuff and and he is so good and yet has so much difficulty helping anybody else get anywhere near that level and i realize this because he just doesn't understand what he's doing he's doing it and he under- he clearly understands it at some like deep level but not in a way that he can express to somebody else in a way that's actionable for them because because he can just do it yeah because in his mind the way you do a backflip is you jump and you do a backflip <laughs> that was his process yeah. for doing a backflip whereas my yeah. process for doing a backflip is to jump bring knees up and use that to initiate rotation and make sure that you clasp swap ground extend and then absorb impact there's a lot more steps in my process to doing it because it took me a year and a half to learn how to do it and it took him less than six hours on a pile of bark outside the back of his house and i was there and i was annoyed yeah and i think that that's where we get with the pro players now is to tie it back into rocket league like these guys have gotten up to that level and you know we're all well aware that in some ways playing without your brain turned on is better than playing with it on and that just ultimately becomes very challenging to help people understand how they're doing what they're doing so let me let me ask you this um there are a lot of there. Are, let me start over. So, like I think Squishy said recently that he crossed or is close to ten thousand hours in the game, mm-hmm. and I know that the number of hours that pro players have probably varies greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I was interested to hear is that even most of the guys on the uh, Pittsburgh Knights have been playing this game since it launched. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are about people that could potentially go pro sometime in the future. Like most of the pros have been playing this game since it launched or prior to launch, uh, you know, playing SARP. Is there ever going to be a point where somebody with three or 4,000 hours gets to a point where they can be professional level because they already see where pros are and they get there that much faster because all of the pros have come before them and have shown them now show us what a pro game looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it or is, sense. It, is it always going to take somebody seven or 8,000 hours? Like are people always get going to be playing catch up or is it going to take, you know, three or 4,000 hours to get to a professional level? Instead of all the time that people have taken so far. There are players in RLCS that got there with less than 3,000 hours. Okay, well, so, that so was... So straight a, up answers the question right there. That was a very underwhelming answer. Yeah, Next but, question. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, right? Because now we're on to the, the topic of uh, pioneering versus mastering. Yeah. Because Rocket League is an entirely new thing. We don't have something that's directly analogous to Rocket League. A new shooter comes out, we know how shooters work. You know, it's like, oh, is it ray tracing or is it recoil? You know, like, like there's, there's always that element of it. But 
but generally speaking like a shooter is a shooter is a shooter is a shooter is a shooter and if you're like if you can get competitive in one you can get competitive in another with enough work sure yes and, yes 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 and it's super transferable the most transferable thing to rocket league in my opinion is something like wipeout <laughs> You know, in terms of like the mechanical precision, the speed that everything's happening, the amount of sensory input that you're you're getting, like Rocket League is an is an action sports platformer. It's it's essentially like you know Mario. Wait, wipe out the Galaxy. TV show? So no, no, wipe out the game. You played Wipeout? I've I feel like what is Wipeout? Tell me, please. Uh, it was like a super futuristic sci-fi themed um, uh, racer on the PlayStation. Okay. Um, for for some reason, I started thinking of Wave Racer sixty four. <laughs> um, I don't know why. Pr- probably you were not. talking about that game. Yeah. So Wipeout is um, it's super psychedelic, man. I mean, it's worth checking it out just because the soundtracks are fantastic. Like really good sound design on that game. But the the thing with Rocket League right, is it pulls a lot of pieces from a bunch of different stuff. Like okay, like fundamentally, it's football. Uh, sorry, soccer for the. Uh, people across the pond there <laughs> for the rest of the world football foosball <laughs> yeah uh, i would say foot. we're the ones doing it wrong yeah um i would agree and you have football which is the basic rules um except that the way you play football is not analogous to rocket league in the slightest um for starters rocket league is not a zonal game football is um you don't have a dedicated you don't have dedicated roles in rocket league um whereas in football you do and yeah. uh, then we start to get to the point where it's like, oh, and then it's also a contained arena, which makes it much more like something like hockey. Um, so then ice hockey becomes like an interesting counterpoint because players carry their own momentum, which is similar to the way the cars do in Rocket League. Um, although players in hockey have more control over being able to to stop uh, than we do. Um, although there's ways to get around that with, with Rocket League if you get good enough with recovery mechanics. But fundamentally, we don't have a touchstone. Like like you say, most people who came in and were instantly good at the game came from SARP. Uh, interestingly, I think we're down to like four SARP vets in RLCS now. It's, is, Garrett isn't, right? Garrett is not. Garrett is not. So it's Cronovi. Yeah, so you've got Crow, um, you've got Cooks Rizzo, here. Cooks. and Rizzo is? Pretty sure Rizzo is. Oh, I didn't think Rizzo was a Sarp guy. Yeah, huh. I I haven't looked at it for a little while, but there was definitely a season very recently. Maybe it's changed a little bit. You know, we've got more teams at etc. More players coming back in. Um, but yeah, there's a uh, there's not that many Sarp vets around still. Um, yeah, and that's uh, the point that kind of took us on this tangent was pioneering versus mastering, right? Because it's exactly. super hard to do something for the first time but it's really easy to copy something that somebody else has already done. Yes. It's a lot easier once you know the way. Yeah, exactly. Like there's only ever been one Leonardo da Vinci, but there's been thousands of people who could forge his paintings. Oh my God. I'm putting that on Twitter. You're a genius. (laughs) No, that was Leonardo da Vinci, but I appreciate the comparison. (laughs) Wait, he already said that? Oh, did he say that about himself? No, I mean the quote. the 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 statement is a very good statement. Oh yeah, I mean that's uh, that was something I made up on the on the cuff. But I was just saying that Leonardo da Vinci was the genius. You know, like, you know I mean, yeah, you got to keep up with the British clearly. humor. It's very dry, Tom. <laughs> I didn't. Anyways, yes. 
it's actually getting to be more of a reasonable time for you than it is for me. So I apologize if I'm two steps behind. Ah, don't worry about it. I'm usually four steps behind. So we'll meet somewhere in the middle. There we go. So yeah, continue with your thoughts though, because I, I definitely think I I think this is very an interesting kind of mindset to be in. So yeah, exactly. Pioneering versus mastering. So you, if you want to be the first person to do, like the first person to do that, a flip reset, I had no idea what they'd done. Like nobody intended to do a flip reset. Somebody did it by accident, and then somebody else saw that and replicated it, and eventually we end up with the the situation where we are now, where like every time anybody goes into the air at a certain level, you're worried that they're going to get a flip out of nowhere that you can't deal with because it's so unreliable. Like the the way the game systems allow you to have a flip reset is so unreliable and yet even though it's so unreliable we have people that are getting more and more consistent with it and we've all seen the gifs on reddit and stuff where somebody's doing like 15 flip resets all the way down the field because i don't know buy a lottery ticket but (laughs) yeah but realistically speaking like the the first person to do the the pioneering bit like whoever it was who who got it to the point where other people could easily copy it and replicate it, like, that guy's not in RLCS, as far as I'm aware. I don't even know that Doubtful. guy's name. You know? Right. Same thing with wave dashing. When do people start wave dashing? Nobody's really sure. There's a vague, like, stream that Kronovi did where he was messing around in Backers mod uh, back before the custom training existed um like the custom training mod i think the precursor to backers mod um and that was you know super interesting to see see um people starting to exploit the the physics and that was when i got really interested in the game engine and how we can exploit that mechanically and what that means like for the strategic possibility space but to get back to the point of pioneering versus mastering it's very, very easy to have all these kids like coming up through. And I, I say kids just in the, the loose catch or like most people that play Rocket League are a lot younger than me. Um, mm. But we got these young young people coming through and they're copying the people that they admire. They're, they're watching Squishy's videos. They're watching Cronovi. They're watching RLCS. And they're, they're going, hey, I want to do that. And I want to be able to, you know do these crazy flip resets and I want to be able to do ceiling shots and I want to be able to do all that stuff and they can and they go out there and they grind all these mechanics right and then they go out onto the field and what they lack is the time experience to know when to apply those mechanics and that's actually a serious problem with Rocket League most people expand their toolbox way too quickly you'll yeah you'll often find that some of the most solid players in diamond are the guys who haven't figured out aerials yet because mm-hmm. they just stay grounded and they always have a ton of boost because they never spend any. Yeah. And they just get great 50s and do ground plays and they rarely like go above the height of a double jump. And those guys can be an absolute joy to play with. Never see them anymore. No, everybody jumps for everything where I'm playing. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, they it'll be like five guys. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm yeah, most people do in diamond, but you'll still get come across that that one player who's like never quite figured out the whole flying through the air thing, but it's so good at the other stuff because they've just been focusing on that instead because that's what's been working for them. And and we, then we start getting into like confirmation bias and how people are structuring their own learning and, and stuff like that. Because realistically speaking, when people set out to learn something, they usually do it wrong, right? Most people don't know how to learn. 
that's why most people don't engage with education systems and stuff like they don't understand how to get themselves in the mindset where they can accept new information and consolidate that in their mind in a way that gains permanent understanding of it and so we have all these guys who are like basically visually replicating something that they've seen but they're taking it completely out of context and you see those players all the time you know these are the guys who are going for ceiling shots and they're getting flip resets and they're doing all this great stuff and you just sit there and then tap it away into your corner and recycle and then score a breakaway goal and then they complain about luck and the reality is is they chose a poor option for the situation they either chose an option that was difficult to execute or they put themselves in a way harder position than they needed to be in there were like more simple options more straightforward things things that were quicker things that were less obvious things that had you know higher percentage chance and that's what we see even in rlcs now is there's so little rating of percentage chance like we don't see people making the the plays that i analogize from like hearthstone like there's this thing in Hearthstone called well, there's this thing in every game called option coverage, right? And in Hearthstone, that goes along the lines of like, I'm trying to put guys on a board. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know Hearthstone, it's a card game. You play you play a card that puts a guy on the board, and you can have up to seven guys on the board. And there are also other spells that will interact with the guys that are on the board. There's these things called board clears, which tend to do a lot of damage, remove all the guys from your board, and that removes something called tempo. And tempo is when you have more guys on the board than the other person, because that's free damage every turn, right? You're not spending to do that. You already have those guys there. And that's how you get tempo. And Wait, you can only have seven people on the board? In Hearthstone? In Hearthstone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like magic where it's like, you know, have, have 5,000 plant tokens. Oh, well, this isn't a Hearthstone podcast, but I didn't know that. Anyways, yeah, keep for going. Yeah, for sure. So... So in terms of option coverage there, right, you want to protect your tempo. And that means if you think that your opponent might have a board clear, maybe they've done something that, that makes you feel like it's going to be followed by a board clear. Maybe they didn't play a guy when you expected them to play a guy, or you know something about their hand, you know they have a board clear. And so then you have an option, right? If you think they have a board clear and you've got guys on the board and you've got space for more guys and you play a guy there, that's stupid. Because if he's got a board clear that's going to get rid of all of your guys and you play a guy now and he immediately does the board clear, you just gave him a guy for free. You, you yeah. spent a card for, for no gain whatsoever, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to play around the board clear. But doing something is still usually better than doing nothing. So if you have no way to play around the board clear, usually the best thing to do is to assume he doesn't have it because if he doesn't have it, you just win the game. Yes. Now, in Rocket League, people don't do that enough. In Rocket League, people will will scratch onto like tiny little resources and they'll keep trying to get these tiny little touches and they never recycle situations and play for the longer term goals. And that's something that we see all the time. And it's one of the things that makes solo queue so frustrating because you don't have an understanding of what your teammates' motivations are. You don't know what their goals are in a given situation. Like we all have that thing where the guy's in the, the opponent's corner and it's like, okay, he's either going to turn or he's going to leave. And if he leaves, then I kind of need to do something. And if he turns, then I need to not be here. And I can't do both at the same time. And understanding what the, the motivations are of people gets very challenging when they themselves don't understand their motivations. 
You ever heard, uh, oh, he was too stupid to get mind-gamed by me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like he lacked the required equipment for me to fake him. And <laughs> Right. <laughs> but ultimately, like that, that, you know, by accident, by chance, or by intention, like I made a better decision than you did. Like he, he surprised you and, and was able to, to win a situation. So it's so, evaluating those options is the key thing. So you can choose them correctly. Expand on that a little bit in like a professional, maybe I'm curious about it in, in what you see because you have the RLCS experience, but maybe just tone it down a little bit in like a champ two, champ three kind of mindset of this option stuff for all the people at home, uh, how you would relate that to a game and how somebody could be making better decisions in their in their games so i think the the key thing is to reevaluate most people come out of a game and they're just like oh i'm just gonna requeue i do the same thing i'll requeue for hours i'll be like i, I need to go to the toilet i'm still just sat here hitting play next match you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just the default action is uh, i've got seven thousand hours of reinforcement behavior that when a rocket league game ends i start another rocket league game <laughs> Right, yeah. Rocket League is so great because it's only five minutes. Yeah, right. It's bite size. And right, but there's no such thing as bite size Rocket League because that play next button is just right there. Yeah, it's right there, and it's just five minutes, right? You've always got another five minutes yes, until you don't. Of course, and you don't actually have like four hours anymore. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where'd all that time go? Yeah. Why do my hands? Why, why can I no longer extend my fingers to their full length? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh... Go ahead. So at, at champ level, uh, I mean, this holds for, for all levels, right? Reevaluate your play because it's super easy in the heat of the moment to forget things that punished you and concentrate on the things that went well, right? Because we all know players who will go for, let's say, an air dribble off the wall all the time. It's a pretty stock default behavior. It's a... Uh, I didn't think of anything more interesting to do, so I'm going to do this thing that takes a lot of time, but I have a lot of control while I'm doing it, hopefully. And you could go for those, like, you know, you could go for like 12 or 15 of those over the course of a game pretty easily in a game of twos, say. And maybe you scored one of them. Super great. That's a one in 15 chance success rate based on that that sample size right like one in 15 yeah. times that i go for this i score a goal what happened the other 14 times now if there's at least one goal that the other team got because you went for that and didn't execute it correctly or your teammate wasn't prepared or it wasn't the right situation for it you were you know it was just a poor decision at the time based on the circumstances if they scored one goal against you out of all of those 14 failures which is pretty likely right given how often breakaway goals happen Mm -hmm. you were making a bad decision all 15 times you went for it even the one you scored because what you're doing is you're becoming predictable for starters like you should never do the same thing 15 times in a rocket league game unless it scores every single time you do it in which case keep doing it until it stops working then do something else and then get a paycheck for it. <laughs> right <laughs> well have worked for justin just air dribble all the time and it always works out right? for him so good at it he just pops it up right at the last second huge it's huge annoying. impact yeah he's so good at close ball control um in the air it's 
crazy. Way better than Squishy, in my opinion, for, for close ball control. Like Squishy does a lot of cool stuff very fast, but Justin can do it consistently in the same way that he wants to do it pretty much every time, beating somebody every time. Like Doing analysis against NRG was just a disaster for ages. I'm so glad Turbo's joined the team. It makes him so much more predictable. <laughs> um, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I I see where you're going with this now in, in terms of being able to make the right decision. And I almost correlate this to myself, uh, which I try, especially as somebody that's trying to get better, it's such a, uh, a push-pull because I want to win games, but at the same time, I want to make myself uncomfortable and try things mm-hmm. more often to learn what I'm doing wrong or get that, you know, game speed experience. Because uh, obviously I'm not a perfect air dribbler, but I want to attempt to come up to the ball that's already on the wall and then turn my car up so that I can hit the ball up in the air and try and follow it to initiate an air dribble. And I screw that up, you know, nine and a half times out of 10. Um, But at the same time, I want to keep trying because I want to get better at it and figure out those little minute things that I'm screwing up so that I can be better the next time. But then I also get to be okay with the consequences of getting scored on or turning over the ball or, you know, what have you, and take responsibility that I'm creating this scenario. Yeah, this is something that I talk to people about all the time, um, because uh, this is actually uh, a huge deal for me. This is one of my pet pro- uh, pet topics is exactly what you're talking about here. It's playing to win versus playing to learn. Now, I'm of the mm-hmm. firm opinion that if you're always playing to learn, you can never have a bad day of Rocket League. Yes. Like, I've... I. I have had days where I tilt, but considering the amount of time I've spent playing Rocket League, the amount of time I've spent being so much worse than my ability to fulfill what I want to do, like, you know, analyzing RLCS gameplay for two years gave me quite the complex in my own gameplay because, (laughs) you know, my instinctive, oh, these are the options that are available, doesn't actually match up to me. It matches up to RLCS players. Right. So my option selection was awful. My option coverage was awful. Like, couldn't dial into it whatsoever i stopped coaching rlcs and within a week i'm grand champ again <laughs> just, oh, isn't just, that interesting? just from not having to be engaged at that level you know i was able to dial back into the rank that i'm actually playing at and my own capabilities i'm having a great time in rocket league since i stopped coaching actually so i'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying this little break um but the uh, but if you're playing to win all the time, like it's impossible to win all the time. So if that's your if that's your reward requirement, like, you're just going to have a bad time. Half the time you're going to be disappointed. Like the the matchmaking system, like every matchmaking system, is designed to trend you towards winning fifty percent of your games. If you're only winning fifty percent of your games, and a win is what you require to be, you know, amused or satisfactorily and entertained, or to feel like it was worth your time, uh, and not be super annoyed and having it affect other parts of your life, like you're doing it wrong (laughs) be better at having fun the game is a game yes there are some people who are getting paid for it but even for them quite often the game is just a game uh you've you have plenty sports tom oh yeah i grew up playing sports yeah what did you play 
Uh, I played soccer when I was little. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I played football. Yeah, sure. Foot, football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually didn't play American football until high school. I only played that one year. I'm primarily a basketball player, though. Yeah. Played a lot of basketball. Yeah, I've coached basketball, so so that's a good bridging point for us. Um, I don't know how you guys do football in this uh, over, over that side of the water, so you know we won't we won't touch that. But basketball is like yeah, don't touch that. Basketball is pretty consistent. Um, so when you were playing basketball, how much time would you spend playing a match of basketball? Uh, I mean, in in a week, junior high and high school, very little. Yeah, I mean, how much time would you spend drills, practice? Other, like how often would you spend doing basketball stuff but not playing basketball? Yeah, I mean, it was 90% mm-hmm. practice. And how often do you do apply that same ratio to Rocket League? Oh, I mean, every day. That's come on. I'm a, I'm very committed to improving. You spend 90% of your time in drills? No, no, of course come you on, don't. Man. Nobody does. You know how boring that is? Man, it's the I worst. I actually quite enjoy free play, and it's still oh, yeah, free play's the worst as well. That. I disagree. So the problem with free play, right, is it relies on your self-discipline. Otherwise, you're just, you might as well be playing ranked for the amount of help it's giving you. Like, and that, Dep- I, th- I think if, are you, are you saying that genuinely or? Yeah, no, I'm saying like, that you actually- genuinely. Um, unless you're specifically practicing improvised recovery, free play is worse than custom training for nearly everything. You really think so? Absolutely it does. It is. Because like when you were doing basketball drills, right, did you just take three-pointers shots from all over the court or did you stand in a specific spot and practice three-pointers from that spot so that you know if you get to that spot, you can nail your target? Uh, actually, my the way that I would practice basketball in high school uh, when I was on my own was very free play-like, I would oh, say. Oh, interesting. I mean, it was it was kind of a mixture of both, but I I was a lot on my own, mm-hmm. I would say, and I was not just standing in the same spot taking the same shot. What? Now, when I was in the post, I would be, you know, practicing the same kind of shot over and over again, but it would be like recreating that shot uh, in maybe minute different situations much like i do in free play right now like i'm again in free play and just my game in general i've noticed that one thing that i struggle with is keeping uh possession of the ball on and coming off of the wall Mm -hmm. and so i've been creating a lot of different scenarios for myself in free play on the wall so that I get more comfortable following the ball off the wall mm. and keeping possession. So, so it has been it has been very like self created, self. Um, what was the word that you used? You have to have a lot of self discipline, control, self discipline. Thank you. Uh, it has been a lot of me creating that for myself. Yeah, which I feel has been extremely beneficial. Oh, I, I absolutely agree, but. I think that you could be doing the exact same thing that you're doing more efficiently. Because the problem with doing it in free play is that you have to set up the shot each time, right? You have to set up that situation each time. And okay, you want a little bit of variance. Great. There's a tool for that. It's called backers mod. It allows you to add variance into custom training packs. 
yes. being able to hit a reset button and starting that situation from exactly the point that you want to be starting that situation, having that consistent start point, that's what builds muscle memory. And muscle memory is essential in Rocket League because you don't have time to consciously control your mechanics. 100%. So the problem with doing the thing in free play, like that's great in like one, like free play is great practice for ones. You know, it's taking the ball from weird points of the pitch to consistent points of the pitch and then recreating situations where you can consistently score a goal. Like the bit, the best ones players are the ones that can just slam the exact same goal past somebody who can't defend it. And they'll just repeat that shot until they defend it. And then they'll just repeat a different shot until they defend that. And then they'll just repeat a different shot after that. And then it's 12-0 and the guy's forfeited, you know? Yeah. And with, uh, with free play, like, sure, that's great. But like... Outside of ones, you have way too many variables to rely on free play creating situations, in my opinion, which is why I think custom training is better because it just makes it all way more efficient. It's like, oh, I struggle with this exact situation. I'm going to create that situation. I'm going to drill the exact version of that a couple of times. I'm going to tweak it slightly, drill that exact version a couple of times, going to do that every day for a week. Then after that, I'm going to introduce variants. And that's generally the fastest way to reinforce muscle memory is, and then like make it contextual. So you can achieve that in free play, but it's going to be way less efficient because it's the repeated yes. actions that builds the muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So I think the only thing that I can say to that is there's also, for me, there's the benefit of actually creating the shot or, you know, taking control of the ball on the wall and then controlling the ball in such a way that I can create the exact wall angle or placing the ball where I want it is also beneficial to me right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, But you can still do that in custom training is my point. also true like that's that's the thing right is like you could just make 10 versions of the exact same shot in a training pack and just have the ball coming from all kinds of different directions with the aim that you're going to control it in this general area on the wall and that's already more efficient than the amount of time it takes you to set that up and in fact you can't set up half of those situations and those are the situations that you need to learn how to deal with in twos and threes is when the ball's coming from a, a place that you've not been near yeah that i can't actually set up myself yeah exactly like free play limits that's, you in a way that custom right. training doesn't. Right. But. You're certainly right about that. So when you were working with Ghost, mm -hmm. um, I mean, would, would you have them go, if you were going through replays and you noticed these guys struggling with certain shots, would you have them run drills? Or would you want them to do that? On occasion, gen it, generally speaking, um, at RCS level. Like, I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus <laughs> or get into any, like, well, inside Well, let me tell action. you. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, um, like, at RCS level, like, most coaches aren't looking at mechanics that much. Um, mechanically speaking, like, most players have gone to RCS on the basis of mechanics and then start learning strategy once they get there. Like RLRS has uh -huh. almost no thought behind it, as far as I can tell, watching it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've spent the last three years looking for the thought behind Rocket League. Uh, so, like, when you've got people who are that 
like consistent mechanically that able to do things like if i notice a specific thing um like uh in the past you know like a kickoff on a particular player in a particular spot you know i'll talk about that or like maybe challenge spots and stuff but generally speaking it's all it's all much more like higher level strategic um kinds of things and a huge amount of mentality stuff like mentality is so important in rocket league the team size is horrendous the what? The, the team size. Three people on a team is an awful number of people to have on a team. Literally any other number would be better, up to about 15. I mean, there's four people on a team. There's a sub, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, like in terms of people on the field. On the field. Yeah, three people on a team is awful. So the reason being, right, like when you've... When yeah, you, tell me the reason. So let's take, uh, let, let's build it up, right? So you let's say you've got StarCraft, right? single player okay. game like let's say sk telecom you know they got like eight great players the six of whom are going to play in at gsl whatever and they're they're all like one person so they they can scrim against each other they can they can train against each other and ultimately it's it's on them to get out there and perform when they get out there and even in the team format there's no actual like interactivity between teammates it's just purely like oh who do we pick up put up against this guy for the rock paper scissors right Mm-hmm. And there's no otherwise like direct interaction match day. So it's a very contained environment. Then let's move into something like doubles tennis or doubles badminton. Like that's a partnership. You play with the same person for a long period of time. You get to know them very well. You work in very close proximity. Um, if you argue, it's a very even fight. You know, like in a in a doubles relationship and you're arguing all the time you're just going to end that relationship and move on to a, a new partnership of some kind right sure um because there's it's very difficult to resolve that um but uh but in the event where you can resolve that you're going to end up with a much stronger partnership when you've got uh let's skip three people for a second we'll move on to four people so let's look at four people like worst case scenario, like in the most conflicted version of that, you have four different points of view that are all pulling evenly. Then you've got like if two people agree on something and the other two hold different positions, like they and you've got three points of view, but two people are backing one of those points of view. That gives that point of view more weight and overrides the other two people like pretty fairly because they both had like another thing. But like, oh, you know, Dave likes Jeff's idea, so I guess we should investigate that more. Um, with five people, it becomes even more straightforward. You can't have an even split of viewpoints, um, so there's always going to be like a like a just a sort of natural tiebreaker of like, well, it's three against two, you know, so we should go for this. And sure, and it's very rarely like a four v one situation, or if it is, like, and you're playing at that level, you have to just accept that you're wrong. <laughs> and you might not be wrong, but you have to accept that you are in order to maintain team environment and stability, right? Yeah. Let's roll it back to three people. So, uh, oh, actually, before we do that, let's talk about larger team sizes just a little bit more. Like five people, if you switch out a player, there's 20% of the team. It's a very important point. It means that if you're bringing somebody in, you're slotting them into an already functional environment where they can copy what everybody else is doing and, and get on board with that, right? So like CSGO, mm-hmm. it's very easy to swap in another player. I say easy, I mean compared to Rocket League. But sure. you can have somebody come in and they feel, fulfill a defined role and they know how the rest of the team is working and a competent player should fit in very quickly, right? Yeah. 
and then as if you go to like six people it becomes even more straightforward to do that and then you go up to like you know normal team sports like 11 people on a football squad like you're switching out a player and you're literally like putting a new you're plugging a new piece into into a machine and it's going to work slightly differently but essentially fulfilling the same function like replacing mm-hmm. one person on a football pitch you do it like 10 times in a game right or maybe not quite that many but it's you know you can substitute five or six times no problem and fundamentally you're getting roughly the same result out like it's very rare that there's one player who's that far above the rest of the team that that like um that changing out a, a specific player at any given time doesn't have that big an impact so then let's roll it back to three people so three people when there's conflict it's 2v1 always has to be Right, or it's going to be one v one, and somebody doesn't care, so they're going to go with whatever the easiest solution is and make it two v one, or or one v one v one. That happens so rarely, actually. It's sure. super rare to have three viewpoints in a group of three people. Don't know what it is. It's just one of those like natural human instincts where we cluster, right? It's like safety and numbers mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um. Yeah. It's actually more likely to end up with like four separate viewpoints in a team of four people than it is to end up with three separate viewpoints in a team of three people, in my opinion, and certainly in my experience. So, so you have mm-hmm. this problem where like, A, if you make a roster change, like it's a totally new team. Like fundamentally, it's a new team. Yep. Like there's, there's no roster change in Rocket League that's happened where you just swapped out a player for another player and got the same end result. It's just not a thing. Yeah. Can't be done. It's a third of the team. It's way too much. 20% is manageable. 33% not so much. Right. Especially in a game as fast and reactionary and decision making y as Rocket League. Oh yeah, that's it. Exactly. I mean, it's so easy to tell specific players from the way they move around the field. It's it's such yep. the the game at a core level It's a personality based game. The, the game at a core level has such a low level of abstraction compared to nearly any other game I've played. And when I say abstraction, I mean between like the action that you take and the action being replicated on the screen, there's very few layers between that, right? Oh, okay. It's very one to one. It's very visceral. Yes. Uh, other than I was going to say I feel like it's one of the most abstract games in the sense that each player is so unique from player to player. Oh yeah, I was talking more in like the interactivity right. layer, right? Like, yep. Uh huh. I understand what you're saying now. So yep, yep. So it's it's got such a low level of abstraction. You compare that to like CS:GO and stuff like that. You know, like it's just a, a completely different um, environment. And CS:GO is one of the more visceral shooters as far as that goes. And then you compare it to like other games, like FIFA, for example. You're playing God. You press a button. The game could decide how that's going to play out based on the chances and the like specific context. But it can sometimes be difficult to replicate the exact same thing in the exact same situation. Because the nature of the game, there's an AI in the background that's trying to interpret your decision and put that on the screen. There's no, there's basically no interpretation in Rocket League other than the fact that your vertical momentum gets frozen when you dodge. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. There's no other interpretation. Like, it's just the fact that your vertical momentum gets stopped. And then it, there's just a bunch of other predictable rules. And there's a little bit of squishiness because 120 hertz physics engines are complicated. And it really needs to be 240 to be stable anyway, which is just 
so far out of the realms of any kind of possibilities like those servers just don't exist you can't run games at 240 hertz on servers as server architecture stands today it's just not possible you can barely run rocket league at 120 hertz um so when you take a like you you have that personality shine through because there's no there's no buffer layer in between right like you everything you're doing is is so one-to-one replicated on the screen everything is so like mapped specifically that your personality can shine through super easily and that obviously that makes a huge mm-hmm. difference to your play style like you can look at all kinds of pros and there's roughly seven play styles in rocket league um and roughly five overall team play styles i would say um and there's only so much detail I'll go into on those because, you know, trade secrets. But when you have that player swap out, like you're never going to get an identical player back in. It is going to change the team dynamic. Other people are going to have to adapt. And adaptation is super hard to do. Mentality is super hard to manage when you're constantly ending up in these 2v1 situations where somebody's like, oh, I, I think I should have done that. And the other guy's like, no, no, you should have done this. And and the third guy's like, I agree with A or B. And you always end up with, you know, the person who doesn't get agreed with on their own, essentially. And that's where the support structures start to become really important. You know, people like me, people like uh, Jazzo, Verge, you know, Snasky, all these guys standing off on the sidelines and and being that lightning rod for the, that all that mentality stuff, like drawing that out of the team, making it so that the team is uh, <laughs> sometimes even uniting the team against you <laughs> in order to get them working together at least. You know, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta take them, you gotta help them take their egos out of the situation and not like have that but you did this response and that's where the coach comes in because it's really hard to argue with that third party perspective like they have that it's so when you're playing rock league it's very easy to feel like everybody has the same perspective as you even though it's totally different but it's hard to argue with that third person's perspective that that overview of what's going on right Huh. Interesting. So yeah, three people on a team, terrible idea. You know why it is three people on a team? Because they just picked three? Uh, Kinda, but also because the game's not stable with four. What do you mean stable? I mean, the game is less reliable at executing its physics frames on time when there are eight cars on the pitch instead of six. I see. Because it's, you know, it's 33% more calculation. And the, right. the servers already struggle. So it's more yeah. Play some ca- play some casual hardware chaos. infrastructure. Yeah, man. Like, like I would if I could actually find a game, <laughs> right? But but the uh, yeah the, the the physics tick rate is the um, is the huge challenge. Like if you um, if you check out the the various GDC talks that people from Sanix have done, like um, Corey's done one and uh, and. Um, Jared Cohn has done one as well, and there's a couple of others out there. But watching through those is really interesting, like because people at Psyonix thought that the mechanical skill cap was getting hit within two weeks of the game coming out, and they were amazed. You know, like they were crazy. I was talking about to Josh Watson about this at um, Season Two Learn, and 
you know, he was like, because I was talking to him and I was like, what, what did you guys think this was going to happen? Like this, just this constant expanding skill cap. And he was like, no, two, two weeks in, we thought that was it. Like, <laughs> and then it just kept That's going. That's crazy. And it's still going now. Look at us now. Yeah, it's still, oh, yeah. it's still going. We're still pioneering all the time. Like Teams are finally starting to work out that the third best thing to do is the best thing to do. The third best thing to do is the best thing to yep. do. Okay, you have to tell me what that means. Okay, so everyone's gotten really good at reading what other people like to do, right? Sure. So the best thing for you to do in a given situation is probably pretty predictable to your opponents, right? Because they can look at the situation and decide what the best thing to do is as well. Mm. So then. So you need to skip that and do something so else. So then you need to skip that and do the second best thing, right? And that'll beat a lot of people. Doing the second best thing beats a lot of people who are good at the, reading the game. The people who are great at reading the game expect you to expect them to expect the best thing, right? Yeah. So then you got to go for the triple bluff. You got to go for the third best thing. Yeah. Because that because it's... surprising is always better. Well, how many times? And I don't know how much you watch squishy videos, but. I I think that he gets scored on more often in his videos when he gets quote unquote confused because he's expecting his opponents or his teammates to do one thing and it doesn't happen so he doesn't know how to respond. Yeah, that's a huge thing in Rocket League because the game moves so fast that you stop being grounded in the moment and start being grounded in the next moment. Yeah. And if you're not careful, you'll then start getting grounded in the moment after that, and then the moment after that. And all, all of a sudden, the game that is in your head is not the one that is in front of you. It's the one that you're anticipating. Yeah. So the, here's the thing, right? You've got the game that's in your head, and you've got the game that actually happens. The game that's in your head is what you're reading, it's what you're expecting, and you play to that, right? As much as you can. You have to be, because otherwise, how, how are you ever going to keep up with how fast people are going now? Right. But if you don't immediately react to the fact that the game in your head doesn't match the reality that's unfolding before you, you're never going to get anywhere. Right. So there's two ways to combat that. One is to have crazy reaction speeds, which is how people who are 10 years younger than you or I are generally coping with it. The other thing is to not think ahead. Or to think and, ahead and use that to inform your decision making, but always make your decisions based on the exact moment that you're in. I almost feel like you can't even keep up if you're not trying to think ahead. And yet, so many people say that they feel like they play the game better when they're not thinking about it. Well, not necessarily thinking ahead, but playing in a... Taking on a position of anticipation. Yeah, so so generally speaking, right, this is where positioning becomes a huge deal. Because whenever you're not in possession of the ball, you have one job, and that is to regain possession of the ball. Um, Rocket League is actually a turn-based strategy game. You remember how I said I like those? Rocket League is one. Yeah. Sure, I can definitely see yeah, that. Yeah, so... To walk through any listeners who might be confused by that statement, given that it's very clearly happening in real time, um, a turn 
could be defined as when you're in possession of the ball. That's when you have agency. You don't actually have agency when you're not in possession of the ball. You can do stuff that affects the other person, but ultimately they're going to do what they're going to do. And you can influence that, but it's still, they're, they're the ones in control of that situation. As soon as you take possession back, that, that becomes the opposite thing. You can allow yourself to be influenced by them, or you can choose to make decisions that either make them irrelevant or neutralize what they're trying to do to influence you. And that's the fundamental back and forth of Rocket League. And sometimes you'll have an outlier situation where there's like some crazy pinch and a goal goes in and there's nothing anybody could do about it. And it's just one of those things, right? And that's going to happen in all sports always forever. Mm -hmm. With Rocket League, when you're, when you're trying to stay in that, that moment, instead of thinking ahead, because the thing is, right, as soon as you think ahead and you're wrong, you don't just have the thing that you're wrong about, but every other thing that you were also anticipating on the basis of the thing that you were wrong about is also wrong. And you have to go so far back in time, it can be so jarring that you're just left flat-footed, right? And I'm sure that's happened to you. It's happened to everybody listening. It's happened to everybody who's ever played Rocket League. Sometimes mm -hmm. you just end up just sat there going, I, I, I didn't know what to do. Like the, yeah. the situation was so drastically different from what you anticipated that you just froze up. If you weren't expecting anything, do you think that would still happen? Man, that's some serious stuff right there, dude. That's really interesting because it's, I feel as if being able to, my gosh, I'm trying to formulate my thoughts and I'm so excited about this and I'm trying to put it together all at the same time. <laughs> hey, I've had three years to figure uh, this stuff out, so you take your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I think that this is very common in a lot of people that are at a high level of success. I, in, in life, a lot of people like to go one way or the other. Um, life, it's very easy to go black and white with stuff. Uh, you know, there's, there's the push-pull, there's the left, there's the right, there's white and black. Um, and I feel like the people that are most successful... Uh, do an extremely good job at playing with the contradictions, living in the gray, or or figuring out a way to do both. Um, all that to be said, uh, it's almost like uh, you you want to be good at anticipation, and at the same time, you're not thinking about that anticipation, and you're not com committed to what you've just anticipated. So like you're able to look two or three moves ahead and you're ready for that. But at the same time, if what you're thinking about doesn't necessarily occur, you can recalculate and disconnect from that initial um, action that you felt that you were going to take to then take a different action. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes the action that you take, sometimes the choice that you make when the situation changes drastically is to just continue doing what you were doing. Sure. Because here's the thing, right? Generally speaking, when people change their mind about what they're doing, it's really confusing for their teammates. Because yeah. when, you, when you're watching a guy go up to challenge the ball, right, that guy might get surprised. But if you don't know that he got surprised... The fact that he suddenly didn't know what to do is super confusing to you. Which mm -hmm. means that what you were anticipating doesn't happen. 
So then we get into the, the, the fact that Rocket League is such a complex interactive system that we actually have complete uh cascades you know in the same way that like a total system failure on on some kind of a you know literally anything like the fire alarm can cause like a short out in the electrical system the electrical system then goes down that pulls down the city block and then you know suddenly you got fires and people looting shops and the dominoes start exactly right it's a cascade it's it's the point where so many things have gone wrong that the chance that it's recoverable is either nothing or so small that navigating through that is going to be impossible in a game of rocket league and we'll generally speaking when i say a game of rocket league i mean 3v3 if two people don't have their anticipation fulfilled in within a very very short space of time within half a second of each other there's probably going to be a goal for the, the other team mm-hmm. because it's so difficult to recover from that complete break with what you were expecting and the reality that you're confronted with. And one of the things that's really important as Rocket League players, and, and is something that we've all done, is we've relied on confirmation bias to help with those moments. Whatever the thing that worked the most often or the most memorably, is that, that's, that thing is what we do when that happens. For a lot of people, it's turn around. Because one time they managed to turn around so quickly and they managed to pinch the ball off the post and it was super good and they saved the ball. Unfortunately, when you turn around, usually what you do is cut off your teammate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the one time that their teammate wasn't there and they did happen to have the speed and you know it was that edge case where they were able to get that like tiny little touch on the ball and it pinched off the post and it was super good. Maybe they even got a breakaway goal from it because it was so unexpected, right? It's that unexpected thing yeah. again. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, like we were talking about earlier on, like if that happens 15 times, 14 of those times they got scored on. (laughs) Right. So when you're the player in that position, I try to make decisions personally without ever considering the ball. I've been trying to do that more, actually. So the ball's kind of irrelevant in in Rocket League, (laughs) at least when it comes to decision making. So um, the way I like to think of the ball is as the sum of the equation of the game. Right? The, the, whatever the ball is currently doing is the answer to the question of what happens when everybody does what they did. And if you're keeping track of what everyone is doing, you don't ever need the answer because you've already figured it out. Like if you're looking at your teammates, you should always look at your teammates first because they might be trying to do the same thing as you. Your opponents are very unlikely to be trying to do the same thing as you. They're trying to score in your goal. You can always fall back on that right. and just go back to your goal. Your your opponent's default behavior is scoring your goal. Actually becomes really mm-hmm. hard to play against people when they stop trying to score on you. Have you experienced that or, or tried have to you do not? That? Have you not had that situation where the guy disconnects on the other team and then you suddenly dis- like concede three goals in a 3v2? Because suddenly the game didn't become scoring goals for the other team. It became keep possession and that led to goals. Yeah, be better at defending. No, no, just be better at keeping the ball away from the opponents. That's the only way to win 3v2, right? Is to put the ball where the opponents aren't. And that's usually not their goal. So you keep putting the ball where they aren't, and eventually they come to try and get the ball, and that means where they aren't is the goal, and you put the ball there instead. And, you know, that's like the fundamental like long-term macro play in Rocket League. That's what you do. You keep the ball moving around until there's a route to the goal, and then you put the ball in the goal if you can. Mm-hmm. When, when you're like looking at a game situation, 
and you're there and you're about to make a decision. And before every decision comes information gathering, right? You can't make a decision without information. Otherwise, you're just guessing. That's not a decision, it's a guess. But when you're, when you're making a decision based on information around you, if you look at your teammates first, that eliminates the possibility that they're going to be trying to do what you do. If you know exactly what both your teammates are doing in a given moment, you can very easily not do what they're doing, which makes it much better because you don't want to commit two people to the same play. We'll come on to that again in a second. That's kind of the percentage option thing. When, after you've looked at your teammates, you want to look at your opponents. Now, your opponents are more predictable than your teammates, which is why you want to look at them second. Like I said, your, your opponent's ultimate goal is to either take possession, keep possession, score with that possession. That's, that's all, as far as you're concerned, as their opponent, that's all they care about. Their, their options, their, their decision-making, their like, anticipation of what's going to happen next in their moments in this game of Rocket League, completely different from your perception of it because your perception is so much simpler. But then you move on to your team, uh, because you've already done your teammates bit. That's the bit, that's the complicated bit. They're doing that bit. It's always harder to read your own teammates. It's harder to do because usually they're behind you if you're in possession of the ball. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to. That's why comms are so important so that people don't have to physically look. There's no hidden information in Rocket League, but you have to be really good to be able to keep track of all of it all at once. So once you finish looking at your teammates, eliminating the possibility they're trying to do the same thing as you, and figuring out what they're doing so that you can maybe like create options. Are they creating an option for you that you didn't know you had? Super important to know that. Then you've got your opponents. If you know what they're doing, then you're fine. The next thing is bounces. So in our little observation workflow, we're looking at teammates, we're looking at opponents, then we're looking at bounces. Because, uh, sorry, not bounces, boost. We want to look at boost first because that's going to dictate other people's actions, right? Knowing which boosts are up makes a huge difference. If you know that the mid boost is up, somebody is going to make a beeline for that boost at some point in the next 10 seconds. Because it's the mid boost. Everybody wants the mid boost. So knowing which boosts are currently in play, keeping track of that consistently means that you'll know when they're spawning, which means that you can predict that other people might be predicting when they're spawning. I get a lot of demos by running over a boost pad at supersonic right as it's spawning, dude. <laughs> a lot of demos. Interesting. Because it's such a predictable hmm. place for somebody to be, right? Yeah. Half the time, it's the same guy who picked it up last time. <laughs> and um, so you look at all the boosts, right? Once you've looked at all of that, you technically have enough information to figure out everything that's happening in the game. You've never looked at the ball. You've never looked at a wall. You've never looked at what a bounce is happening. All you've done is look at your teammates, then your opponents, then the boosts. And from those three things, you can deduce the current state of the game and what's going to happen next. What I do recommend is looking at bounces because bounces are hard to read, you know? You put a little bit more thought into them. Most of the time, it's an irrelevant thing, which is why I tend to leave it out. But And also, it's still like the bounce is just a middle step from that equation of the, the first three factors that leads to the ball, which is the answer to our equation. So what reading a bounce usually just relies on confidence. You just have to be confident. You just have to go for it. That's the only way to learn to read bounces. 
and it's the most reliable mm -hmm. way to do it is to trust your subconscious, which is way better at figuring out anything to do with distance and angles than your brain is. So just just go, just trust yourself to go for it is my advice for bouncers. Um, but in terms of reading bouncers, it's the same thing. Trust your gut. It's probably right. Don't try and think about it too much because your brain's an idiot and it will get it wrong. <laughs> and if you get it wrong a hundred times, eventually you'll start getting yeah, it exactly right. right. And then the uh, the fifth thing that you look at is the ball. And that's just to double check that you were right with all the other stuff. Now, sometimes, and especially when you if you start like trying to use this process, you're going to play the game so much worse than you do already. And that's just uh, that's just the product of doing something new. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's the other that's the other problem that a lot of people have in Rocket League is they make a change, and they feel like the change was bad because it's not immediately successful. Right, and that's partially just because of the age of the player base on average. Like a lot of these guys are mid-teens; they don't have the experience to understand that making a change has detrimental effects for some time. You know, like there's some obvious examples of this where people go, oh yeah, of course, like you get used to it eventually, but they don't extend that to something else. So like Keybind, for example, it's like, oh, what happens if I switch boost to R1, which is something I recommend everybody does. But switching boost to R1, right? That's like... That's where my boost yeah, it's is. Yeah, a massive change. Yeah, boost should always have its own finger. It's the second most important thing in the game. Um, yeah, I love having boost on R1. Yeah, it's the, the like, boost is the secondary resource of the game. Like it's very, very important. Um, with uh, man, I've completely off my thread now. Oh yeah, so with the keybinds thing. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. So moving a keybind is a really obvious thing where you're like, oh yeah, eventually I'll get used to it, and I'm gonna be worse while my finger predicts it to be somewhere else, right? But they don't apply mm -hmm. that same acceptance to other things. If they're like, oh, you know, with their team, you know, if you've got like some people you play with regularly and they're like, oh, we should start trying this, like, let's try not turning in corners anymore. Let's try, like, let's try focusing on making sure we're always in a triangle, you know, all, all these like core rules that you can implement across a team that go way worse to begin with while everyone's getting used to it. And a lot of the time people will give up before it's done. It's like the same thing that like, if you get ill and the doctor gives you antibiotics, you, you should keep taking all of the antibiotics they give you. A lot of people stop taking antibiotics when they feel better, but the infection is not gone when they start to feel better. So it just comes back again. You have to keep taking the antibiotics. Sure. You have to complete the treatment course to, to you know, get to the happier, better situation. And you got that shitty point where like, you know, if you have bad reactions to antibiotics or whatever, you know, you have negative consequences from doing that. You're encouraged to stop sooner than you should. And it's the same thing, you know, in Rocket League, if you're playing to win, and you stop winning, you're not going to keep doing the things that you're doing. You're going to try and find something else that leads to the winning. Yes. I, man, just, okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. It's a good thing we're recording this because I think that, you know, I've probably covered way too many topics. I'm glad that people can go back. <laughs> I mean, and, and here's the thing is we've already gone over what I would normally go over in terms of podcast time and i i i feel like we could go for another three hours you remember when i said literally as, everything yes and that's as lovely as that sounds i i just can't do it <laughs> that's fair enough 
I can't do it and I'm not going to do it. That isn't to say that I don't want to do I it. I understand. Um you have to you have to make uh, sensible decisions that work for you. Just like in Rocket League. Just like League. in Rocket League. Did you know that life is really a real-time strategy game? <laughs> and and now it's my turn. <laughs> and my turn is to end this podcast. Yeah, um, I mean, you're not wrong. That being said, th- be- before that happens, I will just say I this has been extremely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I don't I mean, I know you enjoy talking, so it's probably been enjoyable for you well you enjoy talking about rocket how League. could you i don't tell? know if you enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know if you enjoy it but at least you are extremely proficient at it um yeah i was born with high charisma if i was a D character you know like, I'm, I'm a high charisma rogue always have been <laughs> i i will say that you know i i guess i never know what i'm getting into when i invite somebody on the podcast these days because a lot of the people that I'm inviting right now are uh, strangers except for like if I have experience of them through a YouTube video or anything uh, like that. So I don't necessarily know what I expect to expect. Um, Most of them are enjoyable and I feel like there was a lot of good that came out of this. Uh, So I just want to say that I greatly appreciate that this uh the time that you spent and i feel like we will have to do it again very soon too whenever you like um because there are lots of things that we really didn't even have a chance to talk oh, about oh yeah i think um, i said like six different things we didn't get to that we were going to talk about later yeah and there certainly will be a later i don't know when i'm going to start pulling the trigger on having people back necessarily uh, but you are certainly on that list if you are, uh, open to it, which I think you already said. So, um, I will look forward to that. That being said, I, uh, do like to end each episode with a few things. And though you have already shared many thoughts without going on for another half an hour, best. I, I, <laughs> I will cut you off. Um, I allow all of my guests to have, uh, one oppor- an opportunity to put a bow on the episode with some final thoughts. So if you would like, um, the stage is yours for that. Sure. If you're listening to this and you're wondering what the quickest way to improve is, the answer is to always change your approach to the problem. If you feel like you aren't improving quickly, it's because you're doing it wrong. Humans are extremely good at adapting We're extremely good at picking up new processes and we're extremely quick to refine those processes when we approach the problems in the correct way. So take the obstacles that you think are in your path and find the ways to change how you're thinking about your goals to make those obstacles into launch pads to hit those goals. Is that all? Nice. You change the way you think about That's the game, you have like, more fun. So much better. Change and and know that it's going to be a process. Well, that's that's the big change that most people need to make, you know. If you queue ranked expecting to win every game, like what are you doing? Like watch baseball and then think about how those guys feel. Ugh. Baseball. Yeah, but like, you know, a ba- uh, the average baseball player walks out on the the 
onto the field knowing that they're going to miss like, you know, what, two thirds of their hits. Yeah, more than 70%. It's crazy, right? I mean, the good players get on base three out of 10 times. Yeah, right. It's crazy. Three out of 10 times. Most, most are, you know, 25%. They bat, you know, 0.25. Yeah. You have to be really okay with failing if you want to be a baseball player. And the same is true yeah. in Rocket League. I've, I've certainly found that as of late, trying to change things so that I can improve. And I got a lot worse before I started getting better. It's a process. Yep. And just like you said before, you know, enjoying that process instead of beating yourself up for it. It makes all the difference. It really does. Like the, the reason that people stop improving, the reason that people lose engagement is always a mentality thing, right? It's uh, Sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes there's an external reason for, for losing engagement. But generally speaking, if you just like, if one day you just realize that you're not having fun playing Rocket League, it's because the way you're thinking about the game has changed. So if mm-hmm. you can refine that 100%. source of joy, you know, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, because the game hasn't changed. No, you have. Exactly. 100%. Well, I, I always find that extremely interesting. Anyways, um, that's just a little cliffhanger for the next episode <laughs> featuring Silent Echo. Speaking of that, if people want to get in touch with you in the meantime or find you out there on the internet or anything like that, uh, where can people do that? Oh, is it plug time? Um, so it's it's plug time. So uh, you can find me at Silent Echo UK on Twitter. Um, I'm really easy to find though. Literally, Google Silent Echo and Rocket League. You'll find me eventually. Um, but uh, Rocket League is actually not my kind of like main personal focus right now. Like that's that's like the career focus. Um, but uh, I'm actually trying to get a D and D um. Uh, setting stream and app off the ground so we have two campaigns starting the first episode of the second campaign is this week on thursday which is tomorrow now or today now actually um and i really need to do prep for that so i guess i'm gonna have to go rapidly but uh, you can find all of that um on my twitter there's links to everything so i'd uh, appreciate people checking it out Sure. It's a weird cool. thing, right? And D- I will... Plug a D&D podcast on a Rocket League podcast. <laughs> hey, I mean, podcasts got to stick together. Yeah, man. And I just got the overlay sorted out like two weeks ago as well, and I'm really happy with the production values. <laughs> there you go. So this is Small a, goals. It's a podcast? Or is uh, it's the, a stream. It's, did you say yeah, stream? Yeah, so, oh, nice. So okay. much D&D happens like improvised at the table. I do a lot of world building, um, like just on the fly. And then I can never remember any of that stuff later on. And I'm too much of an idiot to write it down at the time. So I thought, hey, if I start streaming it, I could just go back and watch it again. And then (laughs) I'm actually super entertained by my own TNT games. Like, my players are so funny. They're so good. And it's such a joy to to play with them. So uh, I'm always going back and watching, like, top moments and sharing them with people and stuff. It's it's a good time. Nice. Very good. I will be sure to link those... uh in the show notes down below to check those out. Um, And then finally, 
I allow my guests, if they would like, to ask a question of the audience as well. To see if we can get some feedback from listeners. Uh, if there is anything that you could ask people out there uh, on the internet that might listen to the show. Um, to see what they might be thinking about whatever you're curious about. I have one question for the listeners. And shoot. That is, you know, it's more of an instruction, right? I want to hear what people are doing to improve in Rocket League. I want to hear what people are currently doing. I can guess at what people are doing, but I want to know. So if people want to tweet at me, you know, what they think their process for learning is in Rocket League, I'd be super interested in knowing. Nice. I think that's great. Good one. I think I'm just impressed that I've been doing that since like episode two or three and nobody has said the same thing yet, which I think is also a beautiful thing about this show is that like having so many different people on always leads to people asking different things or being curious about different things and bringing their own perspective. Uh, so as we are wrapping up, I would again uh, just like to say thank you for accepting the invitation. Uh, this has been uh, a real treat. Uh, I have been thinking over the past few days that I want to start bringing more value to the listeners of this podcast. Uh, and I think that uh, this was an extremely good step in that direction. So thank you for sharing your time and your insight. And I look forward to doing it again very soon. You're very welcome. And I look forward to it as well. Very good. All right. Thanks so much. This podcast is officially over.